Flavia Drago is an illustrator working on diverse projects, including branding, packaging, character design, and children's books. She's a recent graduate of the MA in Children's Book Illustration at Anglia Ruskin University in Cambridge. Her debut picture book, Gustavo, The Shy Ghost, published by Walker Books, is the 2021 winner of the Klaus Fluger Prize, which is awarded to the most promising and exciting newcomer in children's books illustration. Gustavo is a shy little ghost, and even though he's good at carrying out his supernatural activity when hidden under his sheet, he's simply too timid to make friends. The book is inspired by the colours and traditions of Mexico, and it's packed with visual wit and humour. So welcome into the reading corner, Flavia. Hello, thank you for having me, Nikki. Before we talk about Gustavo, I'd like to know whether you were always an artistic person. Is this something that developed in childhood? Yes, definitely. I I was always into drawing. Drawing was my favorite activity. And I remember that in in fourth grade, I had a notebook, which I filled in with drawings of animals throughout the year. And then also in high school, I started drawing fairies. I was very much into Lord of the Rings. So it was just fairies and fantasy And then I studied graphic design and I left it for a little while. Thought I was going to have a career doing logos and branding and packaging. But the thing that always interested me ended up being stories. I never thought about being an illustrator or illustrating children's picture books until I met a group of friends who guided me into the wonderful world of illustrated children's books. I'm interested, you know, this kind of compulsion to draw. Did you see adults drawing or did it just come from within yourself? It mostly came from within myself. My mom had lots of books of art, lots of painting books. And then she would tell me stories about artists during during lunchtime. She would tell me about the life of Vincent van Gogh and I would cry. So I I love staring at his paintings. We have a Bosch book, Hieronymus Bosch. It was very cool. I loved that book. We had an encyclopedia with fairy tales as well. So I was was just in contact with Mm. that world. Interesting hearing you talk there because it seems like story, even then, you know, the story of the artist is what really captured your imagination. And the Hieronymus Bosch, and your interest in horror and some of the darker places, you can see that already in that work. So really interesting. Well, eventually you ended up at the Cambridge School of Art where you were studying for this MA in children's book illustration. And I wonder what the main lessons were that you took away from that study. The main lessons were that... I didn't think I could do observational drawing and it's the first module and you have to do it for a few months. I'm very used to draw from imagination or or using uh, pictures uh, as references. And then just drawing from observation is it's a completely different process. And I was so overwhelmed 
by it and I, I was annoyed that I was just making ugly drawings one after another after another but eventually you become more used to it and you start enjoying the process of observing the world and then turn it into into shapes into lines and that was great discovering that I could do that <laughs> kind of rediscovering that I mean, one of my other favorite things was just being around really inspiring people who were also passionate about making children's book and illustration. And that makes you want to work even harder. And then we come to this book that has just been awarded the Klaus Pfluger Prize for Gustavo. And he is a wonderful little ghost. It's a ghost story for very young children, really. And right at the centre, we have this shy little ghost, Gustavo. And his character is obviously central, but he's very simple in shape and yet so characterful. So I'd love to start there, really, with how you developed this character. I only had... The idea that came from a tweet, actually, <laughs> I tweeted that all ghosts should be very shy and therefore this is why they wear sheets. And then I thought, ah, maybe I can make a story of a ghost who is very shy and he's always wearing his sheet. And then in the end of the story, he takes his sheet off and he reveals his true nature under the sheet. And I thought maybe that can be another sheet and that can be a joke. That was the original idea. It didn't turn out to be like that because in the end that was a bit distracting. It distracted us from the fact that the ghost wants to be seen. And, and also I when I started sketching, I didn't know if Gustavo was going to be a boy, a real child or a paranormal being. But as I kept drawing, uh, it became clear that it was more fun to have him living in a world full of monsters. He could be in love with Alma, the invisible girl, who, mm -hmm. he, who he thinks is the prettiest girl in town. Mm -hmm. And then he could do cool things like floating and, and making objects fly, walking through walls. And uh, that, that added to the story. And also, as, as a ghost, he could shapeshift and that could help him to, to blend with the background. And you could have more interplay between the image and the text. So it was, it was a matter of developing him through lots and lots of sketches, lots and lots mm. of drawing. At the moment, I'm looking at the end spread here. And there's mm -hmm. this wallpaper, which has little sort of pumpkin heads, I think. And a photo booth sequence of four images of Gustavo. Now, when you first see the book, um, you're struck by the brilliant sort of orange and magenta, like that Mexican pink, Mexican rose colour. And yet the colours that I'm looking at here are very muted and neutral. Um, tell us a bit about that. Uh, well, I developed different color, color palettes as well. And the first one was only two colors, blue and pink. I wanted to have the pink because that, that, that kind of pink, we even call it 
Mexican pink, rosa mexicano, and you can see that in the markets, in the flowers, in tents, in, in clothing, everywhere. It's a color that we really, really like. And I wanted to have that color in the book. So the first color palette had was only blue and pink, but that looked a bit boring, not lively enough. And I tried a different color palette, which had lots of colors, but that didn't look sophisticated enough. <laughs> it's just, it looked just too much, too much going on. And then the, the other color palette that I developed was when I started thinking about uh, the world that I wanted to build. And in one hand, I had a ghost. And ghosts make me think of melancholic images, maybe washed out old photographs of people who died many, many years ago. And we also had the, the universal classics monster world of black and white films, which is just monochromatic. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, we have the Day of the Dead, which is very colorful. And so I thought, what about having a mix between the muted tones of the ghostly world and then the bright colors of the Day of the Dead, which are orange and bright pink. And that was the, the combination that worked better because it looked a bit sophisticated. It had the joyfulness of the celebration and the nostalgic of ghosts. Mm, <laughs> so. It just works so well. It's really good. Um, we're going to have a look at some spreads. Oh, as I look at the title page, what can be more sad than a ghost trying to play tennis by himself? <laughs> <laughs> and yet funny at the same time. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's it's about him wanting to, to get some friends and realising there are some things that he can't do if he doesn't have any friends. So <laughs> I thought that was a good image too. To start with, I wanted to talk about the family. The first scene that you provide on the double page spread is putting Gustavo into his family setting. And there's a lot of world building going on here. Um, as we go through, we see lots of different cultural references. I'm looking at a flying teapot that's filling itself and Gustavo, who likes to make things fly, there's a kind of silver spoon and a tea bag making its way over uh, to the, the teapot and the teacup there. Those yeah. sorts of patterns that we see through the book, these look like traditional Mexican patterns, are they? Yes, the, the pottery, it's, it's inspired by Mexican Talavera, which is from Puebla. It, traditionally, the, the Talavera should be blue, but I, I just took a bit of artistic license. Um, but the rest of the house is, um, is built with pictures of my grandmother's house. The bit where we see the pictures, it's, it's inspired by a, a picture of her house. And then the piano is my uncle's piano. And then the lamp also belongs to my aunt. So... It's it's all based on things that surrounded me one way or another. <laughs> ah, tell me a little bit about the process that you go through. You, you've told us how you discovered observational drawing on your MA. So are you using a lot of drawing here? 
well, <laughs> talking about how much I learned from observation as I started making this book, I was in the UK. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I couldn't, uh, I could only use photographs of, of Mexico when I started developing the book. So it was like going back a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also another thing that I learned on the MA was after we had a workshop with Caterina Manolesu about um, character design. And she gave us a, a sheet of things that we have to draw that concerned who our character was. So I think that that workshop was very, very helpful when I started drawing who Gustavo was and the world in and thinking about the world in which he was going to live. So it was about building the house in which he lived, the neighborhood, who his friends were and then building the whole world from from there. <laughs> mm. I'd like to talk a little bit about the monsters. So here we've got the ice cream van and a lot of the little monsters who are going to be his friends. Now, I recognise, I think, down there with the sort of white streak in her hair, that must be the Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. What about the other monsters? So they they come from anything in particular? Well, I got lots of inspiration from Universal films. We have The Bride of Frankenstein. We have Frankenstein too. We have an invisible girl, Alma. We have a Gilman. His name is Guillermo. Mm-hmm. We have a werewolf girl. Her name is Virginia. Like we don't, You don't get to know these things while you read the book, but I do. <laughs> I love that. They've, they've all got names. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> There's there's a little Diabolito, or, or like a, a, a demon. Diabolitos are very popular in folk culture in Mexico, and I just had to draw one. Wonderful. We've got this wonderful piazza. And is this the altar here? This is like an... Ofrenda. Ofrenda. This is where you invite your ancestors to return for these two nights over the November period what we call the Day of the Dead. Yes. Very different from Halloween. We need to make that clear to people. It's not like Halloween. No, it's not. And um, actually, a lot of people in Mexico would be very angry if you liked Halloween. It's like, no, no, that's an American celebration. You shouldn't celebrate (laughs) Halloween. So they are very different. But I grew up with both, with one I could meet my cousins and go and ask for candy and the other was about thinking about the family who dies and then as you said you build an altar you put pictures of your loved who have died in that altar and then some things that they liked for instance my aunt Lizzie she liked smoking a particular brand of cigarettes so I would leave that brand of cigarettes there if my grandfather liked a type of beer, I would put that in the altar. So it it's a, it's a good thing because it reminds you of little details about their lives. And I just think it's nice that at least once a year, you make time for thinking about them. It's such a joyful picture. They're all playing around the fountain, leapfrogging, chasing. It's very happy. But where is Gustavo? Well, that's what we have to keep looking for <laughs> yeah well he's he's hiding in the corner like me when I was in kindergarten <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to move through a few slides and I just want to come to this one here which 
Gustavo's hiding behind or he, he's a sheet on the washing line mm-hmm. and um, he's sort of hiding in the easel of uh, Frankenstein's, young Frankenstein's painting. There's a Stephen King reference in there. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the film It, the old one, not the new one. There's there's a scene where there's there are some sheets hanging and then the, the clown is hiding behind the sheets and then the girl disappear. I really like that scene and it's like a, just like a little wink to that. And we have we have a witch and a vampire girl and they're putting some frogs in a cauldron and I wanted it to be a bit ambiguous as to what are these witches doing with the frogs? Are they cooking them or are they bathing the frogs? So, so I just I just like playing with the idea of what's going on there in that it's a monster's world what are they really doing and then on the on the the other scene we can see frankenstein painting and the studio is based on diego rivera studio the windows look like that and he's got hanging lots of folk art in in the walls and we get to see a picture of a skeleton of frida kahlo Again, it's more more references to things that uh, that were normal for me as I was growing up. We then come to a spread where the colour really, it's a wow moment when you turn this page. And quite an unusual colour for a, a sky. We know the sky can be red, but this is crimson and scarlet and magenta. And it's not the most obvious choice. So I'm really interested to know whether it was your first choice. Uh, no, actually, this scene um, originally was going to be during night time. But then as the story developed, there are very important scenes that happen during night time. So it felt better to have him looking at the sunset. Mm-hmm. Sunsets are kind of time of change. The, the day turns into night. And I think sunsets can be very melancholic. So I think the fit was better for the feeling I wanted to convey, which was a bit of nostalgic and a moment of change. And his cheeks sort of reflect the same colour. He's yeah. kind of part of it. Tell me about the text. It's a very textured page with sweeping cloud-like shapes and the sun going down and this very textured foreground as well what materials to use it's a mix of techniques well a mix of materials it i used ink i used pencil i used crayons not lots of textures but you get the effects but how you pile one layer of layers of textures one upon another and then you have to be careful so that you have the right amount of texture without it being too much or without it being boring i'm going to move on a little bit i love the way earlier on where gustavo's smile is replaced by a bow tie which all gives him a facial expression actually the bow tie that he's wearing (laughs) yeah well he's got himself dressed up for his big uh, moment Talk to us about the sort of glowing effect, because he has to glow, doesn't he, in this story? It's one of his skills. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Did you experiment with getting that effect? 
a little bit again it was it was a matter of playing with the layers on photoshop so that the glow would look nicely but you had to be able to separate gustavo from its glow otherwise it would just look like a, an amorphous glowing shape and also it had to be in this sequence you have to see that little by little he started glowing so that it would be a progression as well so it was mm -hmm. Again, playing with the materials and, and the layers on Photoshop. For anybody listening, we're scrolling through pages and I'm leaving out huge swathes of the story, but I've come to the bit in the graveyard where Gustave has been sort of sitting there rather dejected, thinking that nobody is coming to his party. And then suddenly everybody springs out to surprise him. And at this point, you move from having a sort of narrative to all dialogue boxes. How did that come about? I had to come up with an excuse for the monsters not to be there. That's a good question, actually. I hadn't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I moved from a narrator directly in, into the characters speaking directly to Gustavo. I guess that, that gives us the effect that he's surrounded by real monsters around him he's not alone they are speaking to him and if they speak directly to him it means that they can finally see him so we move a bit more to the interior of him so to speak it works really well and at last the invisible girl and Gustavo sort of staring into each other's eyes it's a bit of a love story going on here as well a little bit yes <laughs> yes I like that she is the first one to see him as well, because he obviously has a little crush for her. Yeah. And the fact that she is the first one that sees him, it makes it more exciting for him, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> sort of ironic, seeing as she can't really be seen except for her clothes. There's a little yeah. irony. <laughs> a little bit, yes. When you have monsters as characters, you can play with with how they look on, or you can play with their abilities to make little jokes. Yeah. Can I just ask you, what were you most pleased at when you'd finished this book? I was working on, on this book for a really long time. And then when I looked at the whole book from the beginning to the end, I was just very happy about how it looked. <laughs> I don't know, it kind of, when you illustrate things you wish you could do everything all over again with this book I felt that even if I could do it all over again I liked how it looked I like Gustavo I think I connect with him and I'm, I'm very happy that I could tell his story to others mm. I think he might have more stories in him a little bit there there's kind of a world building coming up <laughs> <laughs> As I started working on Gustavo, more ideas with monsters are, as main characters came to, to my mind. And then I pitched them to Walker Books. And now we're, we're currently working in a board book series mm. for babies and toddlers that is called Monsters Play. It's my intention in making those board books is that it can be like an, an accessible world for little children to get acquainted with monsters. So. The first two books are called Monsters Play Counting and Monsters Play Peekaboo. And then Peekaboo is about learning monster sounds. 
<laughs> and then discovering who is hiding under a sheet. <laughs> so <laughs> werewolf sounds different from a vampire, from a Medusa. So it was mm-hmm. playing a bit with that. And then in monsters counting, you could count like monster body parts, like <laughs> three eyes or one tongue. So it's it's playing with the monster world and the logics of it and making it accessible and funny for children. Now, I know that you are doing further study now. You're studying for a PhD. Tell us a bit about that, because it relates to this book in some way, looking at horror for children. It's looking, I'm looking into it, and it's how I, as an illustrator, make it work for children. And right now, I'm I'm developing two different types of artwork. In one hand, I'm developing my independent non-commercial projects where I don't need to think about my audience and I just I can be as gory or as gruesome as I want and then on the other hand I have my commercial works with um, worker books and then I need to think a bit more about my audience and sometimes my publishers will help me see things that I hadn't even considered in the first place And sometimes they think that some things are are scary and I need to make some adjustments so that the book is successful in the end. Sometimes it's just a matter of of details as to whether this character is too scary or not. I was doing a witch's book. Well, that's, that's going to be the second picture book. And the witches have familiars and one of the familiars was the snake. And my my publishers told me that the snake was too scary. And they asked me if I could change it for something else. And I said, yeah, sure. And then we changed it for a spider. (laughs) 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 But the spider has a pink bow, so it makes it less scary, I guess. The second picture book has has more references because it's about witches and there is the references to art and paintings and poisonous weeds and things like that. But it's all hidden. So only if you know, oh, that's a poisonous weed, you would notice. Otherwise, it'll just look like a, like a flower. <laughs> and that's part of the fun as an author. You can hide things in plain sight. But only if people has the knowledge, they will notice. And things so to be discovered as you grow with the book. Exactly. It's like storytelling in layers. The most important thing has to be the story of your main character. And then there are parallel stories that can be happening as uh, the main character's story develops. And then there's all of the references that are just part of building the character's world uh, like some references can be quite scary. Like in Peekaboo, there's there's a banshee. I think banshees are quite scary monsters. I mean, they they cry and wail and they announce the death of someone you love. But the book is not telling you about any of those things. It's just it's an excuse for maybe the parents to explain to the child later on what it what a banshee is and to discover more about monsters. Oh. Flavia, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. I knew the book was rich already, but talking to you, I've realised that there's even more that I hadn't picked up and discovered, and you've led me even deeper into the story of Gustavo. Congratulations again on being the Klaus Pfluger Prize winner for 2021. 
Thank you very much, Nikki. I had a lovely time. In the Reading Corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do leave a review for us. To find out about other projects, including an audience with events and the Exploring Children's Literature Summer School, visit www.exploringchildrensliterature.uk. Join us again soon in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.